Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 217. John and Wendy talk to Terry Milford. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I'm well. We are well into April. Mm-hmm. And it's that time again. We have a <laughs> chat this weekend. You know, we've talked about it before, but the the two chats a month sometimes still takes me by surprise that, oh, we've we've got another chat this month. <laughs> you had a great idea. In the last conversation, we talked about HR shenanigans and mm-hmm. maybe some of the fun stuff that comes out of that with our friends over at Hostile Work Environment. We're going to take that and move into something that's uh, maybe not so much fun sometime, and that yeah. is talking about bad news, difficult mm-hmm. news, having those difficult conversations that we have to have some time in our work. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter what part of HR you work in. We all have to have some sort of difficult conversation. Even in TA, we have to, you know, you have to tell somebody they didn't get the job. But I think we're going to have some fun with it, too. Um, so it won't all be serious. But because we've all had um, that feedback that maybe didn't go so well, those awesome responses that we get from candidates who have been rejected that sometimes don't make any sense. Um, so we'll we'll keep it a little bit light too, but I think it's important for us to talk about give, how you give bad news and um, how not to give bad news. I think that's probably even more important than how to give it, making sure you're not giving it in the wrong way. It's really funny you say that. I was just having that conversation <laughs> this weekend with a peer. We were talking about my experience going on nine years ago now. When I got laid off from the big company that I worked for at the time, I was delivered the news and basically told, hey, go away. You don't get a victory lap. You don't get to say goodbye. Just literally get your box and leave. Mm -hmm. At least I got mine in person because one of my peers got a phone call. I'll never forget one of the very high ups in one of the other areas said to one of my peers who was leading HR for that person's area, you know, what the where where are we that we're doing? Right. It was embarrassing. It was highly mm-hmm. embarrassing. Yeah, that was a, a bad or not so fun conversation that particularly went sideways because they called him. So if any of yeah. you are doing that, you're going to get called to task on it because that's wrong. Please don't do yeah. that. I, and let, well, you know, we are. Unless we it's, well, now it's remote. remote. Yeah, that, that's true. So if, if you are in person, though, if you have the opportunity yeah. to do it in person, do it in person. That, exactly. If you have the, yeah, if you have the opportunity to do it in person and please don't you know, we've all seen that story of the company that I can't remember what they, which one it was, but they did the mass layoffs via a Zoom call. Yeah, don't do that either. Every person deserves an individual conversation. I think we can all agree with that. Wow. More to come on that this weekend. Yes. If you're listening in real Please time, join us. join us Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you cannot join us and still want to answer, we always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. However, yes. make sure that you use the HR Social <laughs> hashtag. Because if you, hashtag. Just re- yeah, if you reply to me and it just is a, is a response with no hashtag, I don't do anything with it. We don't track it. Yeah, I appreciate you making commentary, but I don't track it. I don't follow it. And it's no. just out in the ether or in the Twitter, I guess. Yeah. Is it in the, Twitter, well, the Twitterverse? The Twitterverse, yeah. Because, I mean, the thing about it is not everyone's going to see that. So when you use a hashtag that everyone sees it because they're following the hashtag, that way I will see it when I pull it for our um, recap. Because if it doesn't matter who you respond to, if there's no hashtag, it doesn't come into the recap. We look forward to everyone joining us then. And 
Speaking of people joining us, yes. I'm extremely excited to have Terry with us, our mm-hmm. latest international guest, which is super <laughs> awesome. Yay! Uh, another, another good friend to the great white north of us. Mm-hmm. Let's make the introduction, Wendy, and get started. Super excited to welcome Terry Milford to the show. Terry is a dynamic senior human resources leader with over 20 years of experience in operational HR. From corporate culture to family-owned businesses, she has worked in a variety of sectors, including manufacturing, the food industry, insurance, and now senior living as Director of People Development. Terry was a global HR leader when she took a leap in 2017 to go back to school and earn her master's degree in leadership, along with an adult education certification. Her passion is supporting the growth and development of others to reach their full potential through commitment to a culture of learning, authentic relationships, and true servant leadership. Her beliefs are founded in that real success is impossible unless you treat people with kindness, regard, and respect. Terry, welcome to the show. Again, so, so excited to have you here. First question, what is in your glass? I love your question. Always on the Twitter chat, too. Um, So I have water because I don't want to uh, get dry and start coughing during this great conversation. And I have a diet lemonade with a splash of spirits. (laughs) (laughs) Just a splash. Yes. We thought maybe it was water because Terry was kind enough or let us know that she's recovering from an illness, Mm -hmm. wishing her all the best. And we're glad that you were able to be here and that and and to join us. And and no one's ever going to know. Thank you. (laughs) Terry, I have to ask, how in the world did you get your start in human resources? Oh, boy. I've, I've listened to some of your fantastic podcasts, and I'm always fascinated, even when I meet new people, about their journeys, right? People development, that's so fascinating. So for me, um, right at a university and actually a summer job, I worked at Whirlpool Corporation, which is, uh, of course, Benton Harbor, Michigan, head office, but really a big global company. I had a Canadian office uh, headquartered in uh, nearby where I live. So great summer job, came back after I graduated, didn't know what I was doing. And here we are, right? Um, A job uh, comes up, I was in customer service, as you do when you first come out of university, sometimes in human resources, and I didn't know anything about it. But what the heck, I applied and (laughs) the rest is history. And uh, I did, I did my growing up at Whirlpool and uh, worked generalist roles, was a compensation specialist and really moved into uh, a manager position there. I was there about 14 years. And uh, and it's funny how life is. You're, you're learning as you're going, but you don't appreciate it at the time. Um, I touched every piece of HR on my journey there and, uh, and think back about all the opportunities that leaders gave me for growth and development that you know, at the time, you're just kind of learning, you're thinking, Oh, my gosh, I have to do that today. Like, <laughs> how do, where do I start? Because you're so new. I mean, I did, you know, everything from uh, facilities development to pe- benefits to like, you name it, I touched it. And uh, it was fantastic. And, uh, and then I took a pause and, uh, and with my family and uh, went back uh, to, you know, move on to other leadership roles within HR. Terry, you've done a lot of different industries. And, you know, there's some back and forth on whether you should, you know, stick with one industry, if you should work in, you know, the multiple industries type of thing. So, you know, you've you've made those moves. So how different is um, HR from industry to industry in your experience? And um, how have you dealt with some of those um, adjustments from in the changes between industries? 
it's kind of terrifying, right? When you've, you've worked in the same industry, same sector for, you know, a long period of time. And then all of a sudden you jump in uh, elsewhere and you're like, you know, like anybody does. There's so many mm-hmm. folks doing that right now or are just jumping ship and changing careers and uh, being brave. So um, I would say that, you know, surprisingly, things are the same. Uh, in in ha- even having moved into senior living um, most recently, I thought, geez, that's, that's the biggest jump I've made. And mm-hmm. um, it all still the same. It's about Again, back to what I believe in treating people with respect and regard. And you think about things as simple as, you know, um, how you treat a person day in and day out as a leader, as a coworker. Those are the things that are going to matter when it comes down to things like employee relations or negotiating uh, union contracts, whatever the case may be. Um, it really comes down to those same those same premises and, you know, employment law and all that applies across the board. So uh, surprisingly, it, it wasn't as, uh, you know, a big of a leap as you think it'd be. And I, I'd say to everyone, just be brave. Follow where you think you're going to uh, go on your learning journey and uh, and just get out there. Terry, with the retirement community and with the industry that you're in now, we had a chance to visit a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the fact that your organization has announced a rather substantial growth model in the next several years. And I remarked at the time, are there even enough people in your area <laughs> to address it? You know, talk talk to some of those people challenges that you're anticipating, and, and how are you working with your team to prepare for that? You think about that um, substantial growth, certainly in our industry, we're going to talk about it, you know, pre-pandemic, doesn't matter where you were in the world, certainly in the U.S. and Canada, senior living, you know, always uh, understaffed and, you know, all the challenges that came with that. And those those things are still there. A lot of government support is there now. But um, at the end of the day, it comes back to good culture, retention. You know, all of the things that are super important and keeping good people. That's the focus. And really specifically in my role around people development is giving people an opportunity to grow. Our goal is to have eight out of 10 leaders promoted from within. And how do you do that? You develop folks, you invest in them, and that's how you engage them, right, on a day-to-day basis. So that's some of the pieces that I'm part of. Of course, a fantastic group, a talent team like yourselves uh, is involved in that as well. And we all work as a team to make sure we've got the engaged, retain, and and develop team to, to support that kind of growth. But we're getting creative for sure. And I think a lot of folks are is looking at um, uh, international recruitment and supporting that uh, growth. You know, you think about there's so many folks that are in our own organization that are internationally educated and trained professionals. And uh, how do we help them get their credentials uh, in our country and support them uh, to grow and develop? So lots of nurses, for example, that we're really trying to invest in as well. That is definitely a healthcare challenge where I'm seeing it as well. Uh, we could probably have a long conversation on recruiting for healthcare related uh, field. It's, and it's not just nurses either. You know, we, we're seeing all sorts of different allied health and um, non-patient facing areas that we're starting to talk about international recruitment for just because there's not enough folks locally. When we're talking about retirement communities and the, in the aging demographic, we just know there are fewer people coming up behind. Mm-hmm. We know other right. countries have been struggling for years with not enough people to take care of 
those ahead of them. And and it's a rather amazing proposition to say, we're going to grow, we're going to build because, because there is a, a need and, and an interest in a enough, uh, enough opportunity there. It's mind boggling to me. I'll be blunt. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, looking in, just thinking about it. Kudos to you and, and to, for having that philosophy of mm-hmm. developing that much leadership internally. That is a, uh, an incredible goal. I'm, I'm sure it's very helpful in keep in keeping folks and in, in engaging them and getting them interested mm-hmm. in being there. Absolutely. And it's a family, it is a family uh, owned organization and um, it really goes back to those values and the culture um, in believing in each other. And uh, that's what makes a difference. That's what uh, makes a difference in any organization. Right. Uh, and the seven out of 10 leaders have that currently have been promoted from within. So it's, it's not, it's not over, it's not overreaching to have that goal, but uh, certainly in these current times and, and thinking about the challenges, like you said, Wendy, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, kudos for so much internal promotion. I think that's fantastic. And that's a way to make sure, um, you know, recognize if people can see that opportunity for growth, I think they're more likely to come in and, and hang around because that's key. Get them in. You know, right now it's hard to get them in, but you also have to keep them. <laughs> you can't have a funnel on the other side. <laughs> no, you're right. Terry, we have gotten to know you on Twitter through our chats and um, and that fun stuff. So tell us, how did you first discover the HR Social Hour and what's been your biggest takeaway from being a part and why do you keep coming back? Well, it's you guys, of course. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting story. Uh, you know, your friend, our friend, uh, Dr. Melanie Peacock, she's actually, uh, it was through my cousin who knows Melanie through her own network. Through Twitter, I started to see her, you know, popping up, love some of her posts. And then she was, of course, promoting the social hour. And one day I was just following it and I thought, She's, why not? Let's just jump in. And what a beautiful thing. Um, I'm so grateful for it, especially during these last two years when we haven't had the opportunity to network in the same way, um, going to local events or whatever that might be for everybody, um, conferences, all that fun stuff. It's just been, it was just kind of a, a gift, I guess, that kind of arrived for me around the time that COVID started. And I guess maybe that's when, you know, we all started looking a little closer at our phones. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or a little bit closer online. And uh, I just, I just really appreciate the opportunity to see the bigger picture. Um, you know, like you, you introduced me as international. I never think that way when I think about uh, us and Canada, but uh, I guess I am. And uh, it's great to see all the other folks that you have drawn in as well and, and learn from each other because it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about between moving sectors. It's really HR is universal, right? There's always going to mm-hmm. be differences in employment law or regional differences. But at the end of the day, we're all there to serve uh, the folks that are in our organizations. And uh, I think we all can draw from each other's experiences in the same way. Did I answer that question? <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, and t- Terry, for the record, you are international. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yep. That's cool. Yep. <laughs> Having listened, you know that we have started crowdsourcing some of our questions out uh, to lighten our load. And in this case, Katie Van Horn asked, what are you doing personally to drive DEI initiatives in your organization? 
And, you know, it's interesting. I listened to her podcast and I listened to her question when she posed it. I thought, hmm, I wonder if I'm going to get that question. (laughs) (laughs) So good for Katie. And uh, I really did enjoy that. I would say that, you know, when I think about that question, I think about back I'm aging myself now, 25 years ago, uh, you know, working at a big corporate or global organization. And we really were focused. uh, We did an external audit on, you know, where are our gaps? And I I remember being a young person and my leader investing in me and saying, hey, I want you to help support some of this, um, you know, diversity uh, that we need to build in our organization. And one of the things she did was she put me in charge of what we called the wow group. It sounds crazy, but it was the women of Whirlpool. And, it, and uh, as a young lady, you know, thinking about, you know, there wasn't very many uh, women sitting at the boardroom table at that time. So we put a lot of effort and initiative into it. And uh, we changed it, you know, within a couple of years, there was double the women uh, at the executive level. And there was a lot of great things that happened. I can't personally hit my hat on all those things, but I was a small part of it. And so I think about it today, I mean, you know, w- what are we doing as, a, as an organization, as an individuals? We all need to have our own part of it. And we, sometimes you don't think you're moving the needle, but just by talking about it, we raise awareness, right? So in our organization, really, we have um, it's a culture change inif- initiative that's been in place for about 10 years. And um, specific to that is supporting uh, one of our, our aspirations in our organization. And really, that's um, honoring diversity in village life. So you think about it, um, our workplace is not our workplace, it's the home of our residents. In order to support diversity, we need to support them and um, making them feel inclusion um, in their own spirituality. There's, you know, culture diversity, individual diversity. And so our purpose in, uh, is really embraced as just as I am, whether it's a resident, a team member, um, a leader, a family member. Um, and that's really what we embrace every day. So it's just supporting that those groups. And we have... Um, advisory groups within uh, each of our villages uh, that really support everything should go through that lens of, are we living up to that aspiration? Are we embracing everyone just as they are? Oh, I love that. Well, Katie, it is now time. Who's Katie? Sorry. Katie, wow. Katie was so great. I know, I right? To, for some reason. I can't live up to Katie, her. yeah. <laughs> wow. What's in your glass, Wendy? <laughs> Nothing tonight. Nothing tonight. Oh, goodness. You guys are great. Well, Terry, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Oh, I am a numbers girl. I wanted to be an accountant. My university degree is in economics. I was going to rule the world with numbers. Um, And then I got this HR gig. And I think when I was younger, you know, that compensation role that I had really kind of filled that bucket for me and really looking at the business side of things, which often I'm not, you know, putting a blanket statement in there, but typically that's not a background of someone in HR is to come from that. Um, And so I found it's been useful to understand more of the business. Um, But yeah, I'm a numbers girl. It's kind of funny. Terry, were they teaching the guns and butter economic model when you were studying economics? Oh, probably. Yes, I am that old. <laughs> well, no, they, well, I, I was a music major, and I took macro and micro both. And I just oh, they the say that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was just curious because that was a long time ago, too. People look at me like I'm crazy when I ask that question, but figured I'd ask. Who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? 
I'm going to go back to Dr. Melanie Peacock. I don't know <laughs> everything I see about her touch, but I've never met her right in person. Um, that's somebody I want to get to know better. And uh, certainly she's uh, an inspiration as I follow her and uh, on, on every, and every platform actually. And uh, certainly you guys as well. Well, we would concur. She's uh... She's uh, our favorite Canadian. So, um, <laughs> you're quickly becoming one B, Terry. Yes, yes, for sure. Terry, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? I think we'd all whisper the same thing to ourselves as young people is to say, don't stress out about everything, right? Big, small stuff, whatever it was, and then stop and enjoy it. Because like, I think I referenced earlier in our conversation is that, you know, my leader was giving me so many great opportunities to learn and grow. And, and instead, in that moment, you're like, oh, my God, not another thing to do when really, it was fantastic, right? And uh, I think as we get longer in our careers, we, we start to approach things in a different light and as a learning opportunity and that culture of learning that I think is so important to get you up every day and smiling. Terry, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or community at large? For me, it was a lot. My son is uh, is cerebral palsy and uh, I spent a lot of years uh, supporting uh, sledge hockey or para hockey. Uh, That was really important to me. Um, If you have never seen it, to watch it, to see kids, you know, throw away their, their wheelchair, their leg, you know, their, their crutches and just get on the ice and play hockey. It is the most incredible feeling in the world to watch the smiles on their faces. So I would suggest that that's uh, my biggest giving back. And I think, you know, as, as I've moved on through my careers, mentoring others, right. Um, I think about all the folks that have been on my large teams throughout my career, you know, coming back to me for advice, um, and being able to support others on their journey. It, it, and I wish I had had more of that myself, right? So uh, I think that's where I'm at right now as far as uh, giving back. Terry, what's your favorite movie? Oh, Grease is the word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've really dated myself. My girlfriend and I, uh, you know, you, everything goes back to like, where were you doing in that moment? And who did you see the movie with? And for me, that... You know, those are fantastic memories. And uh, I don't know how many silly dances as young ladies we made up to those silly songs. And uh, um, it just puts a smile on my face even just to see, um, you know, a picture from uh, from uh, from that movie or from the album. It's just one of those things. Grease is always the word. Now, how do you feel about Grease too? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did see it and I keep, I, I've tried it more than once, but uh, you know, it, it's like anything, right? It, the, it's the magic of the first time, right? What's your favorite or your most memorable live performance you've ever attended? My high school friends and I often go to see many concerts, but uh, we've seen Pink a number of times. And I'm going to say it was about four years ago. It was my girlfriend's birthday and uh, we had somehow got comped up to the second row. Whoa. Nice. She is an incredible talent. I mean, she's a talented uh, performer in the. In, she does these acrobats and all kinds of things in her <laughs> in her show, and it's just incredible to watch. And uh, yeah, I'll always that'll always be my biggest moment, I guess. So, Terry, if you could be on any TV show, either as a character or as yourself, what would it be? Okay this this one I've got. 
I could tell you, my friends would say it was, it would be a Terry story if I, if I went into too many details, but (laughs) (laughs) Outlander is a show. um, Mm -hmm. And it's, are you familiar with it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It sounded so serious, John. I'm sorry to me. No, no. And, it, my, uh, my wife watches it. I, I, yeah. that's, that's my familiarity with it. So the early 90s, when Diana Gobaldin first started, you know, first published the first book, um, you know, I, I read I read the books then with my sister, who's who had passed away a number of years ago. And so we went on this journey uh, in the mid-90s to Scotland, and we were going to go back in time. Just like Claire does in the book, in the movies, and it's sorry on the show. Um, so you know, traveled to Scotland and you know, board a friend's video camera, and we were going to send our husbands back a tape <laughs> that they can look for us in the history books in two hundred years. So um, you know, I, I would. I'm not sure how I feel about living in the 1700s, but gosh, would I love to be part of that story? I don't think I'd want to be the main character because she's like, um, like a surgeon and a doctor. So that that part's not exciting to me. But uh, just to go back in time, um, I don't know, there's something about it, uh, the history of it all. So that that's what I would do. I'm not sure how I'd feel about uh, the women's attire, but <laughs> uh, I'd like to try it out. Terry, I think it's safe to say that you're the first person we've had on that read a book for a movie or a TV show or anything, read it and did something before the TV show or movie was created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You were thinking about this long before it was ever a TV show. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Well, you know, what's interesting is that now, you know, there's all, I'm sure you guys see it everywhere. There's all these outlander tours. You can go to Scotland and, you know, go to some of the locations and all that. And I think, but I was there first. I even went to, you know, where the battle of Culloden was fought and, and, uh, uh and my husband jokes because I got him into the show and he got like, you know, make him watch it with me. And he's like, well, you know, we could go to Scotland. I said, it's not the same. Because, <laughs> you know, we would just be following the herd, right? So, um, yeah, it, I'm pretty passionate about it. I see Diana Gobaldin, the author, comes here to Canada to the Fergus Highland Games every two years under normal circumstances. And uh, certainly always make sure I stop to see her. Well, recently it was announced it's going to be Terry Milford Day all around the world. What are we going to do to celebrate? This is a good one. Well, my dream, a uh, perfect day in the world would be to be with a good book, a nice cold beverage, maybe on a sunny day with under an umbrella and um, just relaxing. Um, and then I always say my, my favorite meal would be um, king crab legs, uh, oysters, Rockefeller, and a dry martini with four olives. So everybody all around seafood feast and uh, dance the night away. You have really thought this through. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The perfect day, right? Oh, well, finally, Terry, as you know, we are outsourcing. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast, any question, what would it be? Wow. I know this is, this is the tough one. I think about you guys when you first uh, we first started this conversation. I was listening to you talk about our, uh, you know, I say our, it's, it's not mine, but the, the Twitter chat uh, is around difficult conversations. And I think I might have asked you guys this once in one of the, uh, so when you guys solicited questions, what is their best game that they bring to work through a difficult conversation? Oh, I'm always fascinated by that. 
Terry, it is now in the book. It will be asked very soon, and maybe that person will have been part of the chat and had a chance to, to think a bit about it before they uh, get the question. I can't thank you enough for doing this. Really glad you're getting over what you've had, and wow, just great conversation. And again, you're international whether you like it or not, and we always appreciate that. <laughs> I know many of our listeners are connected with you already. If they're not, best way for them to reach you out there. Yeah, I'm I'm. Terry with a Y. I want to make sure that everybody understands that. Um, <laughs> Terry with a Y Milford. And, uh, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Happy to chat anytime and connect or DM me. It is actually Teresa, but please don't call me that. And uh, <laughs> I, I love connecting and networking with everyone. And I, and I just want to say thank you both for, for the opportunity, not only to have this wonderful conversation today, but really about the work you're doing and uh, how much it's meant to me to, to connect with others through, through the HR Social Hour. Thank you. We will have all that in the show notes other than that other name. <laughs> Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to reach you out there. Uh, Bestway is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, share, follow. If you leave us a review, I still have a handful of coasters and bottle openers and some things uh, from our spring cleaning that are available. So yep. reach out, share that review with us and I will send something your way. International listeners, we have another international guest. So we want you to be part of the conversation as yes. well. I think Terry will tell you it's fairly painless. We'd love to have conversations about whatever industry you're in doing, whatever HR you do. We'd love to talk about it. So reach out and let's start that conversation. Yes. Terry, again, appreciate being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.